CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Wednesday, March 25th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Animal Crossing's creators spoke with The Washington Post about time travel, potential delays, and more. Minecraft adds free educational content. And I stayed up way too late last night playing Half-Life Alex. COVID-19 issues aren't affecting Animal Crossing New Horizons seasonal updates yet, but they could, and time traveling isn't cheating. My old Game Informer colleague and pal Elise Favis for the Washington Post's dedicated gaming site, Launcher, recently shared an interview with Animal Crossing New Horizons director Aya Kiyogoku and producer Hisashi Nogami. In the article, which is linked in the show notes, Kiyogoku and Nogami shared details about how COVID-19 concerns could potentially affect development. Kiyogoku said the members of the studio working on the game are all still going in every day, but they are flexible if the pandemic worsens and they are no longer able to go into the office. So the various special events, etc., that are currently planned should still be happening, but that could change in the future. It's kind of up in the air right now. The article also has interesting details, like where Favis wrote, New Horizons' flexible nature extends to character customization too. Clothing, items, and hairstyles aren't restricted by gender, giving players more options on how to represent themselves in the game. This level of fine-tuning your character is not just about gender, Kyogoku said, but relates to the team's overall feeling that society is shifting to valuing a lot of people's different identities. We basically wanted to create a game where users didn't really have to think about gender, or if they wanted to think about gender... They're also able to, she said. Favis also asked Kyogoku and Nogami about time traveling in the game, where players change their system's internal clock to essentially fast-forward the game to unlock elements that normally require waiting. Apparently, Kyogoku and Nogami do not consider it cheating. Nogami told Favis, We think that in order for the players to play for a very long time and also for players to share the experience with their friends or family, we do think that playing without time traveling would probably be the ideal way. For more on this interview, I called up Elise directly to interview her about her interview. Hey, Elise, thanks for calling in. Thanks for having me, Kyle. You're being safe and healthy and all that, I hope? Oh, yeah, as best I can. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Um, Well, I was calling you because I wanted you to tell me about your article that you wrote. You're a writer for Launcher for the Washington Post, and you interviewed a couple folks from uh, the Animal Crossing team. And I wanted you to tell me what you learned from them. Sure. So I spoke to uh, director Aya Kyogoku and producer Hisashi Nogami. Uh, They were really wonderful to talk to. We spoke for, I think, 40 minutes on the phone. uh, And we covered a bunch of topics. Uh, I was most interested on their take on time travel, which is, of course, a kind of controversial thing in the series. Uh, the reasons behind some of the big things like terraforming and crafting, uh, which are new additions, 
Um, also, how coronavirus has been, uh, you know, uh, impacting the team. Honestly, reading your article, my big takeaway was that they don't consider time traveling cheating. Right. Actually, an interesting quote from them that we ended up taking out of the article just because it was kind of redundant uh, was they specifically said we did not want to eliminate time travel. Uh, and I had to kind of push for them to finally say, like, no, we don't consider it cheating. Uh, they seemed very hesitant, I think, to really give a strong uh, take on that. Um, but the, it does seem like they they uh, discourage players from doing so, or, or rather they want to. And what was interesting to me is the way they're doing that isn't necessarily by limiting the player or um, punishing them like you know, they used to in, in past games at Animal Crossing, but instead giving them more things to do, uh, which is part of the, you know, philosophy behind adding in crafting uh, and adding, adding in terraforming. Um, and also, so players have just more things to do, uh, especially when shops close. So I thought that was a neat little thing. Yeah, I was also, I also appreciated that you asked them kind of about, uh, like, I guess you could say like gender conformity and how they just are sort of opening the door to just let people dress and design their character however they want because i feel like nintendo's been a little slow to adopt that perspective when it comes to character customization in general but it seems like at least in your article their response was you know positive they're like yeah we just want to let people do what they want yeah they uh, were very clear that they were supporting that and that it wasn't just about supporting different genders but also just different identities and expressions um from all sorts of kind of kinds of people and backgrounds uh so that i thought that was really, really great. Uh, and definitely, I think a shift for Nintendo, like you said, it's not something that they usually, they're not really the type of company to have a political stance on something, uh, or necessarily um, include that in their games. So uh, that that was very, very uh, interesting for me to hear. Yeah, I think I think politically, I think the, the, the strongest they've ever gotten is like, nature good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there was some some stuff about global warming in the Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, but uh, still pretty, pretty minimal. I, I guess currently they're still hard at work. They're not limiting how much they're going into the office or anything like that. They have shifted their hours. Apparently they didn't specify more than that. Just that they're they're trying to allow their employees to come in um, what, to avoid rush hour train traffic. Um, which I mean, I guess that's the way most people come in is by train. Every day they're working in their office in Japan. Um, so that hasn't changed. Uh, and, and apparently that's the case for Japan as a whole, for the most part. Um, businesses are open. Things are still, people are still going to work. Uh, but I think they're just taking other precautions. Yeah, it sounds like, and please correct me because you spoke to them. I did not. But it sounds like they're currently like nothing is being delayed or changed but they're being flexible and prepared to prepared to delay things if they need to. Right. So they don't they don't want to delay anything, uh, and that's not the plan right now. But they did say, of course, this is a very unpredictable time, uh, and the need may come up to to be flexible and uh, and that and that generally they want to keep the the health of their employees in mind and have that be a priority. So um, they did say that the. Special edition Animal Crossing Nintendo Switch has had issues with the supply chain, at least in Japan, not in North America. But that does have to do with 
China uh, and and the factories kind of kind of shuttering and and uh, supply has slowed over there and that's been an impact for for that re- for for the Japan region but not for here. Thanks so much for taking the time to call me. I appreciate it. I'm sure you're busy. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been fun though. I feel like I've become the uh, Animal Crossing reporter <laughs> in the last couple weeks for for Launcher, but. Uh, I I love the series and I adore New Horizons, so this is not an issue for me. Well, well, thanks thanks again, Elise, and you know maybe I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, yeah, totally. Thank you so much. Elise Favis and I used to work together at Game Informer, but today she is a reporter for Launcher at the Washington Post. If you're playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, which my scientific research of looking at my Twitter timeline shows that I am literally the only person on planet Earth who is not. I recommend checking out Elise's full article. Getting development insight into Nintendo's games is pretty rare, so I always appreciate any time anyone from Nintendo shares their thought processes when it comes to development. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Minecraft adds an educational category to its marketplace with all kinds of free educational locations and opportunities. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic and with so many children being home from school as a result of the quarantine, Microsoft is doing something interesting with Minecraft. Head of Xbox Phil Spencer posted a blog yesterday announcing that Minecraft should be getting an influx of free educational content. The blog reads, With hundreds of millions of kids at home due to coronavirus-related school closures, more kids are going online to spend time with their friends, explore online worlds, and learn through play. Families are trying to navigate the need to help their children with distance learning and balance that with taking time to have fun. That's why we announced today that we are adding a new education category to the Minecraft marketplace with free educational content players and parents can download. The educational content we've curated lets players explore the International Space Station through a partnership with NASA, learn to code with a robot, visit famous Washington, D.C. landmarks, find and build 3D fractals, learn what it's like to be a marine biologist, and so much more. This is launching for free download today and will be available through June 30th, 2020. As the father of one of those millions of kids at home that Spencer mentioned, I think this is awesome. And I am eager to point her towards the content. 
My kid has always been a casual Minecraft fan, but recently became a super fan as her and a friend have used the game as their main way of staying connected during the quarantine, or at least she was a super fan until Animal Crossing came out. Now that's all she is playing. So I may have to metaphorically drag her to these virtual locations, but I am glad the option exists and I appreciate Microsoft opening up the content. Here's what released today. Well, the first game is actually one I missed that came out yesterday. It's a PlayStation VR game called Paper Beast. It's one that I haven't seen too much discussion about, but it comes from Eric Chahi, the designer behind Another World, or Out of This World, as it is also known, the mind-blowing 1991 cinematic platformer. And Chahi also made Heart of Darkness, the arguably less mind-blowing, but still very impressive 1998 action platformer. Chahi hasn't made a ton of big notable games. Outside the two I just mentioned, he also made From Dust in 2011, and that's about it, which makes Paper Beast pretty special. It's a game that I fully admit I don't really understand, and I haven't had a chance to play it, but Chahi told the PlayStation blog in an interview, This adventure is an odyssey about emotion and discovery vertigo. You are about to discover a brand new world with strange but logical rules. In the actual game, you are kind of witness to these creatures that look like they're made of paper, and their movement is based on physics instead of animation, which I don't really know what that means, but it is all very strange and surreal. It's not surprising to learn that it is from the mind behind another world. Dogarai, which is a pun on samurai and dog, is an old-school platformer where you play as a samurai dog. It basically looks like a Game Boy game, complete with the green tint came out for PC last year, but it is out today on PlayStation 4. Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York, which I talked about yesterday and has surprisingly little to do with Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, is out today for PlayStation 4. I achieved the impossible yesterday and got Half-Life Alex up and running. It wasn't so much impossible as much as it required a RAM update and some finagling in my computer to dedicate some of that new RAM to VRAM, but that's a whole other protracted story. The real story here is that I stayed up entirely too late playing Half-Life Alex, and I am prepared to tell you what I think of it. I really like it so far, but I will say I did expect something a little more revolutionary in the VR space, but honestly, that's totally on me and my unfair expectations. It doesn't feel radically new. I've played VR games like this before, but it is basically the most polished and most interesting version of this kind of VR game that I have ever played. My experience hasn't really felt like what the trailers promised, where I'm pushing boxes aside to find ammo or carefully using doors as cover, but there are so many smart and cool things just happening around you all the time. But before getting into gameplay, the big takeaway for me so far as a Half-Life superfan is the narrative and dialogue. I think I've said it before that Valve has made some of my favorite single-player narrative games, Portal 2 being one of my favorite games of all time, period. And it is so exciting to be playing as Alex and just having conversations with Russ about what is happening around me or hearing him talk Alex through what the world used to be like. It helps that Russ is played by Reese Darby of Flight of the Concords fame. His general line delivery always makes me laugh and everything he is in. And to hear him explain to me in detail how they used to make club sandwiches with bacon from things called pigs 
in a world before the Combine is just fantastic. I also love interacting with the Vortigaunts, of which I've only met one so far, and there are just all these little touches and world building everywhere that makes me so happy. City 17 is a horrifying, oppressive location, but I am just so giddy to be back in there again. I talked about Revolution in VR and how Alex doesn't really have a ton of it, or at least not as much as I expected, but it does solve one thing that has always been a problem in VR, and it's one of those things in the same way playing Portal made me think about everything in the real world in terms of portals. It's a mechanic that is already infecting my perception of the real world. When there is a faraway object you need to pick up, like ammo, you basically point to it, close your fist to, quote, grab it, and then flick your wrist to toss it to yourself and catch it. I have already found myself looking at things like TV remotes and pantomiming that action, wishing I could execute it in real life. That part feels fantastic in the game, and it takes no time at all to get into the rhythm of using it. It's my favorite small touch, and I bet a lot of comparable VR games in the future will just wholesale steal the mechanic. The other big, oh, this is crazy moment I had was when I tracked down a flashlight, which actually takes a decent amount of time. Walking through dark underground tunnels with a flashlight in my left hand and a gun in my right, trying to listen for head crabs, all while Alex nervously mutters to herself was intense. I also had a few occasions where the head crabs got me, and I admit I, I freaked out a little and I tried to pull them off me, but when that didn't work, I, I aimed my gun in my chest and shot it off. It was uh, unsettling, to say the least. I'm on chapter 3, maybe 4, of 11 so far, and I encountered my first human enemies last night, which does change the combat scenarios. I also did end the play session with a small headache and a deep red mark on my forehead, but I am eager to return to the game soon. There is just something exciting and weirdly comfortable about playing a new Half-Life game from Valve. It's been a long time coming. That's it for gaming news today. Of course, the main thing I played recently is Half-Life Alex, which I just talked at length about, so I don't need to cover that again. But I did forget to recently announce, I guess I can say announce, that I beat PictoQuest, The Cursed Grids. I honestly don't have a lot of feedback on it, as it ultimately just felt like a series of Picross puzzles, which is exactly what I wanted from it. The, quote, RPG side of the game never really surfaced much for me. During the final puzzle, I used all my items, less because I needed to, and more because I knew I wouldn't have a need for them after that last puzzle. I also laughed at, I think it was like, the third to last optional bonus puzzle, where the request to complete it was to solve it with your eyes closed. And then it was like a simple 5x5 five five puzzle, where every optional bonus puzzle up to that point had been increasingly difficult and growing in size. It made me laugh, and the dialogue was basically, well, I, I trust you solved that with your eyes closed. If you're on the hunt for a Picross game, PictoQuest is solid. It's nothing fancy or revolutionary, but I liked the RPG conceit, even if it ultimately wasn't a major factor. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets at Kyle M. Hilliard or at GamingRideHome, or you can send an email to Kyle at RideHome.info. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator. I'm playing through Black Mesa right now, and I'm so glad I am. It, it's really changing the way I'm looking at Half-Life Alex, and it's fun to hear Russ talk about the events at Black Mesa and know that I'm actively 
witnessing them all over again, which is, is really cool. I'm glad I'm playing them side by side. You can also find me on the MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. <laughs>